The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Saturday special number two in the month of October as we continue 31 shows in 31 days because we are insane. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Fantasy NBA Today. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. And thanks to everybody for tuning in on a Saturday, whatever, maybe, I don't know, who, who knows? Maybe it was a different audience on Saturdays than other days of the week. This is the, we'll catch you while you're doing something else crowd. But either way, we're thrilled to have you. Anybody new coming aboard, please do if you like the show. And I'll remind you towards the end, please click that subscribe button. If you really like the show, I'd love a rating or review. I was informed by a listener that something that tends to be uh, well-received by audiences is that if you do write a fun review of the show, uh, I can read it on air. For instance, uh, let's see, one on September 28th, uh, I mean, this feels self-aggrandizing. Oh, well, nobody in the podcasting fantasy game boasts a better voice than the silky smooth but impishly delighted baritone Bespris Banks on. That's, boy, that's really, that's nice. I can't say I always agree with the analysis, very risk averse. That's true, I am, but I'm better off for having listened. Thanks, man, that's a nice review, and I like the, uh, I like the the writing there. Somebody clowned on me in a in a post for not doing points league analysis, but you know what? That's just not my cup of tea. We talk a bit about it during the regular season in terms of like what guys might be a bit better suited for it. Uh, but no, I mean the reason we don't, and apologies to to those of you that are big into points leagues, is that category league information can be converted into points league information, but not the other way around. Not to say that. That like this wasn't an an accurate assessment. I just I I hope that that's something that people keep in mind, wherein we should be analyzing players by the numbers they put up, not necessarily the exact rank that that puts them in. Although that certainly does help for things like snake drafts. But at the end of the day, it really is about what do you think a player does, and then you guys can go out there. And use a player ranking system to just turn off a particular category, and then you have that new rank. So that's the reason we do it the way we do here during draft season, is that if I see something like, wait, like Giannis is not a top three overall pick in most formats, in points leagues, he is. But that's kind of as far as we need to go, because look, you guys can look at his numbers from last year, 28, 11, and 6, but ultra-high volume, 69% at the free-throw line, and you can make that determination yourself. I need you guys to do that last little bit of legwork. I'm not going to say, well, here's what he rockets up to, because that's just me reading a page to you. Like, I can do I can do it if that's what you wanted. It just it feels redundant. If you're punting free-throw percent, Giannis becomes the number two player in fantasy from last year. If you're punting both percentages, which is effectively what a lot of points leagues are, sometimes turnovers too, he was number six. So you guys can do that. I don't need to walk you through that part of it. The the part I want to make sure we hone in on is what do we expect out of players? Positive, negative movement, and then generally what they can accomplish on a basketball court. But yeah, you're right. I'm not going to focus that much on points leagues because I think that they, they diminish the ability to create or the need to create a well-rounded team. It's just a, it's a totally different fantasy basketball game. It's completely different. And I would say those of you that are in points leagues, see if you give category leagues a try. They're really a lot of fun. And from a strategic standpoint, there's a lot more going on. Points leagues, everything just gets rolled together. Guys are in their ranks. If you want a points league rank, go to the hoop ball points league projections. That's what I would say to do. Because then it doesn't really matter. Like you set, you, you go to projections, what a player's numbers are going to be, and then you put in a value for each one. Anyway, that's not what I actually wanted to talk about at the beginning of the show. I just got caught, I caught, I got caught looking at a review that was like, Dan doesn't talk about points leagues. I'm like, yeah, that's right. I don't really. <laughs> you can hear my children screaming in the background. 
The thing I wanted to do at the beginning of the show, in addition to asking you guys to please do subscribe to the podcast if you like what you're listening to, uh, is follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google Dan from HoopBall. HoopBall is at HoopBallFantasy on Twitter, hoop-ball.com. This is a weird opening. I intended to talk about a player. I ended up talking about the difference between points leagues and non-category leagues, but I'm still going to talk about a player. Today's show, our opening segment is dedicated to my good buddy, Bam Adebayo. And today I make the case for Bam. I don't believe Adebayo's ADP is accurate. That's the way I want to start this discussion. His current ADP is 20.8. And I don't know that I've seen him fall to 20 in any one single draft that I've done or watched this season. Yahoo's pre-ranks have him at number 20. So by all accounts, that ADP is probably not going anywhere. But again, I haven't seen him fall past 18 in any draft I've done or watched. That's not to say that it isn't happening somewhere, but it isn't happening in the ones that I've seen and watched. Yahoo has him projected to shoot 57% from the field, 78% at the free throw line, which I think are pretty attainable numbers, to average uh, somewhere in the neighborhood, actually not all that far off from what he was doing last year, frankly. It was at about 18, 19 points, 9 boards, 5 and change assists, over a steal, over a block. And two and a half, last year he was at two and a half turnovers per game. This year, they have him uh, more or less in that same neck of the woods. So Yahoo played what we can call the easy card, and they just basically inputted last year's per-game numbers and then picked a games played to attach that to. Yahoo has him at a games played of 77, which is pretty high. 77 out of 82 is a pretty big number. I'll note, by the way, that when I look at Yahoo's projections, other guys that are in that neighborhood, Damian Lillard is also at 77, Jason Tatum at 78, Zach Levine is at 79, which is one of the biggest numbers they've got on the board. Jokic at 80. Donovan Mitchell, 77. These are some of the big numbers in the first two rounds of Yahoo drives. Paul George at 75. I don't know if he gets that high. Cat, 73 only. Doncic, 75. Here's the thing. I don't think this is doing Bam enough of a service. If you think Jokic is playing 80, and if you think... Zach Levine is playing 79, and you think Donovan Mitchell is 77, and Tatum is 78, you better put Bam in that group and not below it. I don't know what you're thinking. Dan, Bam played 64 games last year. Yeah, he was pushed out of a few of those, and the dude went all the way to the end of the bubble, hurt himself in the bubble, played through it in the bubble, had no offseason, and still... Managed to play roughly 90% of his team's games last year, despite COVID protocols wiping out a lot of Miami's games in the first half of last season. Think of it this way. Jimmy Butler played 52 after going deep into the bubble. Goran Dragic, what did he play, like 30-something? Like, these guys, it was hard. LeBron couldn't make it through the year. AD didn't make it through the year. Almost nobody that played deep into the bubble, giant minutes, made it through the season, except basically for Bam. He has long since prided himself on being that guy. He wants to be Cal Ripken of the NBA. He came into the league in 2017 as Hassan Whiteside's backup and played 69 ball games. So you can't fully assess that year. Next season, he played 82, all of them. COVID-shortened year, 72, all of them. Pre and post bubble, or pre and into bubble. And then this year... 64 out of 72, mostly because of COVID protocols. This is a guy where, and I know that this is sort of a point of contention among fantasy analysts as a whole, you could make the argument he's due to get hurt. I actually don't think that really makes sense. Dude is still very young. He's 24. So, like, the the wear and tear isn't really there. And that this is his thing. He prides himself on playing through anything that's not, like, knocking a leg out it's it's like the dark knight in or is it the the black knight in monty python i think it's black knight it's merely a flesh wound he'd be hopping around with no arms and one leg and he'd still play bam is your guy and then that segues into the second half of the case for bam discussion and in addition to the fact that 
his role probably doesn't change very much, regardless of Kyle Lowry's presence on that team. And you can say Lowry's going to take a bunch of stuff, but look, the Heat were giving things, stuff to Goran Dragic, Tyler Hero, uh, Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, they had a, a host of guys that all sort of pull, I know Harrow's still there, uh, but most of what Lowry's going to do is going to come from those guys. There's still going to be a lot of stuff through Bam in the high post. That's They move the ball. They move, they space. So I wouldn't expect his numbers to change almost at all, season over season. Hell, maybe they convince him even to take an extra shot per game. Great. That's fantastic. But you don't have to think of it that way. Adebayo, last year on a per-game basis, was number 19. So right around where he's going. But odds are, I would say that this is a better than 50-50 proposition. He plays more games than the league average and probably more games than the average top 20 fantasy player next year, per game, I mean. And in fact, this season, 64 games for Bam out of that number 19 slot of players with per-game numbers inside the top 20. And I'm going to include Rudy Gobert at 21 because Karai Thomas was number nine in five games, so he doesn't actually belong there. Anybody that played more than about 30 games inside the top 20, it went Jokic at 72 games played, Gobert 71, Chris Paul 70, Dame, sorry, Vooch also at 70, Dame 67, and then Bam at 64, tied with Jason Tatum. So in a, in a year where you might say that Bam was about as beaten and bruised as he could have possibly been of players inside the top 20, he still played more than about 75% of them. Take away the longest bubble run ever, a pained bubble run and no offseason, and there's a non-zero chance Adebayo plays in 82 games this year. He's that kind of guy. And it might not be full minutes, like the last two games of the year, if their playoff seed is locked in, he might be like, Coach, I want to get my Ironman streak going again. Let me play the first quarter. But you catch my meaning. Like, 80 is very much within reach for him. And I don't know that there's anyone else in the NBA that you can really say that about, except maybe Jokic, but we've already heard they want to get him a rest day or two. Bam might be the only player in the NBA that is truly targeting 82 games played this year. That's extraordinarily valuable in an era where, as we just noted, no one's trying to play 82 games. So take your mid-second rounder and give him that kind of durability, which, by the way, is basically what Rudy Gobert was last year. And I got all these people yelling at me that Rudy Gobert is garbage, but none of you guys that are yelling at me about Rudy Gobert would yell the same thing about Bam Adebayo. Is it just because Bam's free throw percent was in the high 70s? And not bad. But guess what? Those twos were two slots apart from one another on per game averages. Because Rudy was like a play like two players worth of rebounds. Two big men worth of rebounds almost. He's like three guards worth. And he's like three players worth of blocked shots and like two and a half players worth of field goal percent positive impact. Those guys were two spaces apart on a per game basis. What did I just tell you Bam was by totals? I don't think I mentioned it, actually. He was number 12, playing in 64 out of 72 games last year. What if he did what Gobert did and played in basically every ball game? If you're number 19 on a per-game basis and you play in basically every single ball game, you're Chris Paul and you're number 5. I think there's a legitimate chance that Bam Adebayo is a top 6 totals fantasy player this year. I am not exaggerating. Could he be number one, two, or three? Probably not. It's very difficult to get into those slots without having a per-game rating inside the first round. Vooch was about as close as you're going to get this year because he was like right at the edge of the first round and durable, and he was number four by totals. But then you've got Chris Paul, who was number five, second rounder, per-game, super durable. Gobert, number seven, second rounder, per-game, super durable. And Bam Adebayo, second rounder per game, pretty damn durable this year, despite all the other stuff going on. Why couldn't Adebayo just be Chris Paul from last year? The same general story, meaning round number 18 to 20, like Gobert, and play in basically every ball game. Wouldn't you like to use a second round pick at pick 18 or 19 that ends up as number six? Hell yeah, you would. It pretty much doesn't get any better than that. 
And that's your case for Bam. And it isn't even really about his stat set. It's about the fact that you could have a such an unbelievably reliable second rounder who gives you positive impact in points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, field goal percent, and is net neutral in free throws, pretty close to neutral in turnovers, slight negative there. And then the only real negative on Bam is three-pointers, which who the hell cares? I don't even care who you pair them with in the first round because there's a more than a handful of guys in the fifth, sixth, seventh round that are hitting almost three threes a game. That's a pretty easy one to make up for. Draft Buddy Heald at 85 for all I care. That's actually how I wanted to start the show instead of ranting about 9-cat. It wasn't even a rant, 9-cat versus points leagues. Yeah, I don't talk about points leagues very much. The Brewski 150 is out today, ladies and gentlemen. It's in the Fantasy Pass, and Brewski 150 solo buyers also have access today, October the 9th. Head to hoop-ball.com or follow the HoopBall Twitter feed at HoopBallFantasy for the links to buy your Brewski 150 or Fantasy Pass subscription today. Also includes season-long projections, scheduling grid, streaming grid, points leagues ranks. Yes, that's right. They do it at HoopBall. I don't do it very much here. Includes it, though. Discord access for either up until opening night, if you get B-150 or draft guide, uh, or all season long, if you get yourself a Fantasy Pass subscription. Also includes 8 and 9 cat uh, rank lists as the season goes along, dynasty information, strategy guides, and other tools that the HoopBall team is going to roll out throughout the season. Fantasy Pass is just $5.99 a month, and the HoopBall, or the Brewski 150 a la carte, is about uh, five times that. Am I getting that right? You should just get a fantasy pass if you're going to get something because, again, it's in all of that stuff. Who's in the Discord? I'm in there. You can bug me. And a host of other brilliant hoop ball minds. Hoop-ball.com. Click on the premium tab and get your fantasy pass in Brewski 150 today. This poor man has had to wait almost a week to hear his segment on the podcast and with a big fat apology in the pre interview part of this podcast finally you guys get to hear from my good buddy mike barner that's coming up here in about 10 seconds thanks again everyone i will talk to you after the segment the journey continues through the minds of the experts i heard you chuckle over there that's you're an expert (laughs) i heard it uh mike barner on the program welcome to the show buddy how you doing Good. Uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I chuckle because uh, expert is a very loose term. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I like I like analyst better because when you get when you call you start calling yourself an expert, everybody likes to pick your bones apart. So, uh, <laughs> well, I'll call you the expert. You can you can call yourself analyst. <laughs> All right, you let me. Yeah, you sure, let I'll me do the hype. Accept it. Sure. There you go. Uh, he is at Roto Mike Barner on Twitter. Follow him post haste. I'll give that to you again at some point during the podcast, and. I think anybody that's listening now knows what we're up to on the show. Mike was in the nine category, Roto Mock Draft, and you had first overall pick. So this will kind of be a fun spot because lately I've been fighting a serious mental battle, not with the first overall because everybody's taking the same guy there, but generally the second and third round. So your pick's 24 and 25, and what to do there as really, like even as recently as three weeks ago, there were guys in the second round that had beginning second round, even late first round upside that were falling to 2022, and that has now stopped. And so all of a sudden, that part of the draft has become very, very weird. So, Mike, you ready to hop into the hot seat for a little bit? I'm ready. Let's do it. It's not that warm. I should should preface. It's, a pretty, <laughs> it's pretty much a room temperature seat. Uh, first overall pick, do we really even need to talk about it? I don't. I don't know. It's it's Jokic. It's Jokic everywhere in pretty much every format. And so I, I feel like I'd like to just jump to pick 24 with your blessing, unless you have something on Jokic to add that hasn't been said already. No, he's he's such a unicorn with what he provides stat-wise at his position. There's not really much discussion needed. Yeah, that's where he's at, and nobody's fighting it. Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brown. This is 24 and 25, and we'll do all of your picks in pairs because... You know, you could have picked him in either direction. So I don't want to feel like, oh, Donovan was the clear second rounder here and Jalen was the clear third. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do want to I do want to sort of hang out in this area a little bit, because for me personally, and, and I don't know if you agree or disagree, I, it, we can talk this thing out. 
the second round for the guys that I was just mentioning a minute ago, guys like Vooch were falling towards the end of the second round briefly. Um, Sabonis, Butler was falling towards the end of the second round for a little bit. Kyrie was. I don't know where the hell he's going right now because there's other stuff at play. But if that gets sorted out, I don't know where he's going to end up again. So all of a sudden now, these... what I I, th- I think the conclusion I've come to in my head is that there are six second rounders this year and 18 third rounders. So how yeah. do you how do you determine where you're going at late second round, early third? Is it is it more about just grabbing your favorite third rounder or is it a gra- is it about pairing or is it some sort of combination thereof? What when it came down to to my options, I just felt like Mitchell and Brown were so safe uh, and they felt like good pairings uh, with Jokic just because when you've got Jokic, you get so many of those extra assists at the the center spot. I don't necessarily need to reach for a point guard who's going to give you a lot of assists because I've already got that. I've I've got more than what most teams are going to get from that out of the center spot. So I figured with with Mitchell and Brown, I get a lot of three pointers, um, which obviously you don't get a ton of with Jokic. Uh, they're not awesome in field goal percentage. Um, you know, specifically Mitchell kind of had a down year last year, but he can bounce back there. You get safe points, rebounds, assists. Uh, I, I just felt like I, I couldn't pass up the safety of those two. I didn't want, I, I was debating whether or not I was going to take SGA uh, with one of those two. Interesting. Picks. Um, I just, if, if you told me right now, they're, that the Thunder are not going to rest him at the end of the season, I probably would have taken him with one of those two picks just because he can make such a difference with the volume that he gets there. But I didn't want to risk it. I really like Jalen Brown, um, so I felt that those two were the safer picks than, than going with someone like SGA. Did you have any consideration of uh, a guy like a Gobert or a Randall or an Ayton, or did you think, you know, I've already got Jokic at center, I don't really want to do one of those guys, or are you just down on those guys? No, I, I like Go- Gobert a lot. Uh, but what I learned from the last few seasons is there's a lot of guards that I feel comfortable with. There are generally not a lot of forwards that I feel comfortable with. Hmm. So with, with an opportunity to get Brown, um, that gives me an anchor for one of my forward spots that I felt really comfortable with. I did a lot of, uh, like, one of, as a, for instance, one of the leagues I did last year, I did the, um, the FSGA uh, league and I was loaded with guards. It was a points league. I was loaded with guards to the point where I couldn't play them all every week. And then I was scrambling at forward. So I've tried to make a concerted effort this year to make sure that I'm not thin at the forward spot, just because I like so many guards. Uh, I can get them later and still feel comfortable. Yeah. You probably didn't expect uh, your, the guy to fall to you at pick 60 in this thing. And, and we'll get to that here in just a second. The only other, <laughs> yeah. the only other player that is pretty frequently going in that territory that we were just talking about. Um, and, and by the way, the guys that went off the board before you, Demonis Sabonis, Jimmy Butler, Zion, this was pre-foot injury, but I don't know that it even really matters. And Zach Levine went right in front of you. The other guy in the group that went behind you was LaMelo Ball. Um, I'm a little skeptical of him as a as like a top 25 guy this year. Did you give any consideration to LaMelo? Are you super pro, super anti, or somewhere in between on him? I have no problem taking him there. Um, I, I, I'd say I'm comfortable with him in that range. Yeah, in the middle. I like uh, it. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I feel like he's one of the safer options. Uh, he was really impressive last year. I think he blew by everybody's expectations, yeah. especially with his efficiency. I mean, we all thought he was going to shoot like under 40% from the field, um, and, and he did pretty well. I, I'm fine with him in that range. Again, I was w- with having Jokic, I felt like I didn't need to go with someone like Ball there. Um, and I like, like I said, I like targeting at least a forward there. And Mitchell, I don't know. I've, I've never seen a guy who can do what he does who doesn't feel like a sexy fantasy option. Like, he feels like a boring option at this point. And I'm not, <laughs> I don't know if it's because he plays for the Jazz or whatnot, but he's just like, he's so rock solid that if you get him there, you just, you just smile and you take him and, and you feel comfortable and you move on to the next thing. I did my math wrong, by the way, on the, the next two, but it the, the point holds. DeJounte Murray uh, at the end of the fourth, Middleton beginning of the fifth. I had flipped which uh, direction this thing was going. Uh, so DeJounte would be 48, Middleton would be 49 there. 
Um, on the Murray front, this is about where he's going in most drafts. For Middleton, this feels like he's actually going, I think you got him a bit on the late side. Of those two, uh, I think if I'm you, I'm probably thinking, what the hell is Chris Middleton still doing on the board here? And then with Murray, my question is probably more along the lines of, how high do you think he can go? Because this is, he's getting caught up in a lot of hype right now. At what point is it too far? Yeah, I'm, I uh, might be considered the president of the Murray fan club this year. <laughs> it's a good club uh, to be I, in. I'm, I, I'm very high on him. So let's just, for argument's sake, let's take a look at the guys that were taken just ahead of him. Um, this is, you know, from just him and then up. So Rashawn Holmes, I would have taken Murray over him. Lavert over him, especially now with the back thing. Yeah. Miles Turner over him. Uh, Brandon Ingram, I like Ingram. So you'd probably take him. Robert Williams, I'm not comfortable with him. Porzingis, no thank you. So, like, I was thrilled to get Murray with the last pick in the fourth round. I think he's going to have a monster season. I mean, he was he was really good in the few opportunities he had when DeRozan wouldn't play. He's just going to – he fills up so many different categories. The rebounds he gives you out of the guard spot. I mean, he's not going to give you a ton of three-pointers. So, that's the one ding in his game there. But I love Murray. Uh, the only thing you could get semi-nervous about is what happens at the end of the year. What when the Spurs record looks like? Do they start resting him down the stretch? So that could make you a little nervous. But yeah, I'm I'm all in on Murray this season. I think I've done between real drafts and mock drafts. I think I've done six so far, and I've tried to come away with him in all of them. How? Where have you uh, had I think to? I might have missed the one or two. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there. I was just going to ask where have you had to take him to ensure you've gotten him in those drafts? Yeah, right around this range, um, okay. somewhere in the in the in the 40s to if you get lucky, you might get him in the 50s. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 all in on Murray this season, so I would not hesitate if if you have to take him like 40th or even in the late 30s, if you if you really feel so inclined, uh, I, I'm okay with it. I think he's gonna have a great season. Mm, wow, that's pretty early. I, that's uh, well, you are the president, sir. I got to get you some yep. Devontae Murray presidential music. Uh, end of the sixth, yeah, beginning. We're, we're taking new members. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I like it. I'm a big fan. My my question on guys like that is not so much about how good they're going to be, because I think like he's going to be very good. Michael Porter Jr. is a guy who's getting a lot of talk that's going to be very good this year. It's sort of this, like, how far does the the feedback loop go? And I don't think his... I think with Murray, I don't think his ADP has moved that much yet. Not like, yeah. you know, OG Ananobi, his ADP is like, you've seen it jump from 50s to even as early as, or as like late 30s. And that wasn't a guy I thought was going to get the kind of hype that he did. But anyway, here we are. Um, yeah. We'll keep shuttling along, I suppose. Middleton, I don't know. Do you need to add anything there? That one's just like the, oh, he's still here. Awesome. <laughs> yeah and and again going with my theory and i think this is important when you're drafting there are a ton of guards like a ton to feel comfortable about and i don't think forwards that deep um so i to have him and brown forward spots i i that's as good as it gets in, in my eyes i was really happy with that you know it's nuts there's actually a very real chance that middleton finishes this year ahead of jalen brown yeah and, and, you know, there's not a lot of good news coming out about Giannis. I mean, they're saying his knee is still sore. And why would the Bucks have any – why would they push him? They just they won shouldn't. last year. They're kind of on the honeymoon this year. You you take it easy with him, especially early. Maybe he doesn't play back-to-back sets early or if, all, if at all as the season wears on. So that would put even more onus on Middleton to, to stuff the stat sheet. So, yeah. Don't don't forget about Middleton. There could be a lot going right his way this year. Yeah, it's funny. I had actually like in my book, my non-existent book, I had sort of put like <laughs> a little red check mark next to all the bucks because these guys played into the finals. They won it, obviously. Uh, they went to the Olympics. This was a a rough yeah. stretch for these guys. And then I was like, okay, so you know, Middleton. I'm looking at it. He was probably the poster boy of that because Giannis. I'm not going to end up with very much as as someone who generally doesn't punt free throws. But, like, I was looking at Middleton, who was number 41 by averages last year and then was very durable. So, by totals, I think he was in the 20s, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and yank that up here very quick and see where he, he pulls out. Oh, 18, actually better. Um, yeah. So, in my book, I was like, okay, this guy's probably going to get drafted in the late 30s. And with all these red flags on how much they that whole team has played, 
I'll probably just end up passing on him. And then he keeps falling here. He's going near 50, sometimes later than that. And I'm just like, how am I, how is this happening? Is everybody petrified? And the answer is probably no. I think it's that everybody's just like, oh, that's boring. I don't want to do yep. that. And then he falls an extra round and a half. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to take him anyway. And I'm going to end up with the same damn team this year I had last year, even though I was like, okay, well, all these guys are going to end up getting drafted sooner. And they're not. Anyway, sorry. Didn't mean to get caught on a Chris Middleton uh, sidetrack. Because it's kind of the same thing that's happening to me with Chris Paul, who I did end up with in this mock, by the way. Uh, two big seasons for him. I thought for sure his ADP would move earlier. And it also hasn't at all. Go figure. Jared Allen, Kyle Lowry. Next two picks on the board for you. Uh, we should get the numbers right on this. 72 and 73. Jared Allen, very safe second center. Kyle Lowry at 73. That's um that's real late for him to go. I although I guess he's kind of going in the like mid to late 60s in general these days, huh? Yeah, I, again, that's a boring thing. People are probably a little nervous with him going to the Heat. Um I mean, he was my third guard at that point, so if Kyle Lowry is your third guard, <laughs> yeah, you're you all right. Feel pretty good about that. And I needed Allen, I needed blocks in the worst way. Uh, I was kind of sweating that out to, to see if he was going to fall to me as the draft was unfolding. Because, you know, obviously when you take Jokic, that's the one downside is you're not going to get blocks from him out of the center spot. Right. So you've got to you've got to somehow make up for that. And and Jared Allen is is great. I mean, the Cavaliers front court situation is gross. Uh, I, I don't like it. They've got too many bodies there, but Allen's not going to it's not going to impact him. He can. He's proven that he can rack up blocks even in semi-limited playing time. So he's he's a safe option there, uh, you know, in the 70s if you're looking for blocks. I agree. Yeah, and then with Lowry, I don't know. I feel like his game translates pretty well. Yeah, I mean, he again, he's, he's not going to be – no one's going to go, oh, you took Kyle Lowry, awesome. Like, no one's going to be excited about that. Now, the pick after Kyle Lowry is someone, you know, oh, you took Isaiah Stewart. Ooh, like that's – you got beef stew. Oh yeah. Like that's the, the sexy young center. Like those are the kind of picks that people get excited about, but no one gets excited about Kyle Lowry and that's fine. He's still going to give you solid production and he's going to be a very important part of that heat team just because he's new to the team and they have so many other well-established guys around him. Doesn't mean he's not going to step in and be a major contributor right away. I want you to know that I try to finish as many drafts where people don't say ooh as humanly possible. I don't think I have a single ooh yeah. guy on my whole team on this mock, <laughs> and that's not at all unusual for me. Like, look at my team and see if you can find a new guy while I'm uh, posing your next one. Spencer Dinwiddie, Keldon Johnson, the next two on the board. I, this, I, okay, this is actually great. I, I haven't talked about these two guys on the podcast. I don't think at all Dinwiddie... Now, there's the there's the rest day stuff coming off of a massive injury. I have to assume that that's sort of factored in, but this is a roto mock with a games cap, so it's less of an issue. Keldon Johnson has disappeared into the void. We've all forgotten that, like, he, he was pretty good at the start of last year, and it really petered out as the year went on, his steals and blocks disappeared, but his job is going to be quite a bit larger. Uh, talk to me a little bit about both of those guys, actually. They're... they're uh, an undercovered pair on on this show, at least, and I haven't seen them talked about almost at all on social media either. Yeah, the the Dinwiddie thing, it, he's gonna he's gonna kill you with his efficiency. I mean, it, it's him and Beal, and they're gonna be jacking up shots. And it's he's, I mean, you you never want to say he's a poor man, so and so, but he's he's he can fill up a lot. Of, he's not gonna rebound, obviously, like Westbrook, but he can give you a lot of points and assists. And, and he'll give you more three pointers. Um, but I mean, he's going to step into a really big role for a team that usually plays at a fast pace and struggles defensively. And I don't see how they're going to be any better defensively now. So he's going to be <laughs> jacking up a lot of shots. And if you can get him, you know, he's one of my flex players. I feel like that's a risk that's well worth taking. And when you draft guys like Chris Middleton and Jared Allen and Jokic, you can take a little bit of a hit. Um, in your field goal percentage with someone like Dinwiddie and the hopes that he helps you in other areas. Um, and, and Johnson, he's another one of those guys. It's weird to say that the Spurs are rebuilding. I don't know. It just feels gross to say that. And I'm not a Spurs fan, 
Uh, it just seems weird. To yeah, say that. just but unusual. You can step more into more playing time. Yeah, it just it doesn't. It feels dirty um, <laughs> saying that <laughs> just just because of of how consistently good they've been for so long. Um, but he could step into a really significant role, and if he improves this season with a few extra minutes, uh, he he I mean he shot forty eight percent from the field last year, so that's a real plus. Um, if he can you know get himself up to around a steal a game too, and and improve his three point shooting, I mean again like I said forward position I, I hate going back to it but i think it's important because i don't hear it talked about a lot um he's someone where there's definitely room for improvement and if you're getting him right around the hundredth pick i think that's a, an ideal time to shoot for him yeah i think i need to do more digging on keldon johnson because i sort of gave up on him because his game didn't translate that great to nine cat as last year went on but then also all these like the roadblocks that have been moved out of the way and the the young element to the spurs how much of a role does he step into? How much does that change what he's able to accomplish while actually out on the basketball court? You went safe, by the way. You went safe again at 120 with, although, you know, it's hard to say safe when you get into this range. This is the, <laughs> the last pick of yeah. the 10th round. But like a couple of household names here, Harrison Barnes at 120, Jordan Clarkson at 121. I Like last year was probably about as good as it's going to get for Barnes, but he was number 82 on a per game basis even if he takes a small step back, 120 feels too late. And then with Jordan Clarkson, uh, this is probably about right for him. He doesn't do much besides score and and threes and free throws, but it's not a bad spot to collect some points. And heaven forbid someone gets hurt in Utah, that probably that gives him a bit of a, a better angle on things. Um, I was surprised, though. Not, not much in the way of flyers, these two guys. Yeah, and that, I I do like to take flyers uh, as you get you know in your last few picks, but I just felt like Barnes is a is a safer option, and I keep circling back to this, but he's a forward, and I wanted to have another safer <laughs> forward option. And, and, and Clark's and Clarkson, I mean, you, Mike Connolly, there's always an injury coming with Mike Connolly, always. And when Connolly's out, Clarkson steps into such a prominent role. I almost feel like even though you kind of know what you're going to get with him. He almost is like taking a flyer because if Connolly gets one of those injuries where he's out for an extended period of time, then Clarkson goes from one of the top guys on your bench to someone that you feel very comfortable starting because he can give you a lot of of points and three pointers and also help you out with a little bit of assists if Connolly's out. So, and uh, and I have Mitchell too. So similar situation. If Connolly's out, then that helps Mitchell too. Um, So I'm not rooting. You never root for injuries, but you can certainly prepare for guys that usually have a lot of injuries, and Connolly's one of them. Yeah, it's a, there's a little bit of a Drummond thing going on here. A lot of people drafting Drummond in the last round to just start him for the 20 games that Joel Embiid misses. Even if that's all you did yeah. with Jordan Clarkson, it might not be the worst idea in the world. And again, you only need 82 games at each position here in Roto. It's not, if you take a zero, it doesn't matter. If you take a lower performance, if he's like a top 140 guy for a couple of weeks when everybody's healthy... Doesn't matter. You don't have to start him. So, anyway, uh, Ivica Zubac yeah. at 144. This was actually Mr. Irrelevant for this draft. Uh, the last <laughs> pick of the 12th round. And I don't know. Do you see him taking a step forward? I feel like he's. He might even be too boring for me. This is going to be like the one pick of yours that I pick on because this is the last pick. <laughs> you could have done something super silly here and you went with like a classic safe play. I'm so I'm just an old soul at heart, I guess. I just yeah. like he's dull. You know, it's almost like uh, that's my maybe shtick. We should, maybe we should call Zubox the brand muffin of the fancy. I mean, yeah, that's what he is. He's keeping his dietary uh, consistency. That's really like you and I talked before going on air. You have uh, two kids that are like. It seems like you are on the same exact timeline as me, just about six months sooner. <laughs> so I think we probably are yeah. experiencing similar thought patterns, which is like. Old feels good. Old feels comfortable. I feel old. Uh, but this one might even be too boring for me. So convince me otherwise. Get me get me fired up about Zubats. I don't know what the deal with Ibaka is. Um, he just couldn't get healthy last year. He's trending in the right direction now, but who knows how healthy he's going to be. If he can't play again, then, you know, Zubats is a guy who can threaten for a double double he could be a guy that can give you like nine points seven and a half rebounds and a block if you get that with your last pick i mean that's you can really fill some holes there at center um so i i i think 
I, I mean, he's not a sexy pick, um, but the guys like Sangoon went ahead of him, so I couldn't take him. Maxi went ahead of him too. Um, those are guys that I would have taken if mm. they were still there. Um, you're Maxie answering, you're answering the next question. You're, you're answering my next question before I get to it. <laughs> <laughs> Which, right, go for it. What's your next question? No, no. I actually do want to point out that this is actually a, uh, I think Zubats is a player that is, uh, kind of format dependent a little bit where he was like 130, 140 range, but played in all 72 ball games last year, which to me makes him oh. a really useful head to head guy because you can just count on him when his games are happening. He's going to get you something zeros kill you in head to head leagues, but in Roto, you kind of want to pick your spots a little bit. Maybe don't start him against small teams where he gets run off the floor. Uh, hard to know. Although again, Clippers, they're going to need to find kind of more ways this year with, with no Kawhi Leonard. So my question that you were answering before I got to it, which is great. Uh, who were the guys towards the end there that you wanted to get to you that didn't? You said Tyrese Maxey. Although, again, we didn't have the Ben Simmons info, I think, a week and a half ago when we did this draft. So don't no one should kick themselves too much. He wasn't quite as sexy a name uh, when we started this thing. But I, who was the other one you said? Oh, Sangoon. Oh, um, right. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got... I, and another thing is when I picked Zubox at that point, I also did not have uh, a backup center. The only two centers that I had were on my team were Allen and Jokic. And I know this is just a mock draft. We're not actually going to play it out. But <laughs> when I do a mock draft, I I go under the guise of I'm actually going to play out this league because people, you know, they use these mock drafts to help craft the league. We that appreciate that. Play. Yeah. Um, so I'm not just going to take a name so you can say, oh, Mike, look at that guy. That's a that's a weird pick. But no, I, I don't have a backup center on this team. And if Jared Allen or Jokic gets hurt, I got to have somebody. And I felt – Zubach was a good guy to have there. Um, but, and, and one thing I would say is as much as I do like Maxi, I mean, you got to figure this situation is eventually going to end in Simmons getting traded. Yeah. Someone's coming and, back. Yeah. So, I mean, some people are thinking, Oh, well, Simmons is, he, he's gone. So it's the Maxi. He's going to start now. Well, you got to hold on there because exactly who, who are they going to get? I mean, it's not like they're going to trade for a center. And so it's not, it's not like they're yep. going to get somebody like Embiid in there. So it's probably going to be someone that could take over that Simmons starting spot. Um, but Maxi is still a very intriguing young player. He showed in his brief spurts last year um, what he can do if he's given extended runs. So I, I do think he is worth a, a pick back there. But just I, I, I do want to say that with a little bit of caution is don't think that this just you get Maxi and he's going to be the sixer starter for a whole season. He's not. Um, cause they're probably going to get somebody back that's comparable in that role. Yeah. And even if he is starting, it's, it would shrink the amount of stuff he's able to do yep. regardless. It, he kind of, he feels a little bit like a, a couple of other guys floating around that I have this, this really nice runway, but with him, we don't, we don't even really know how long the runway is, at least with a guy like say Daniel Gafford, there's this, okay, Thomas Bryant is the thing waiting in the wings, but is Thomas Bryant going to really be healthy? Could his timeline get pushed back? There's like this upside path with him. Or with Max, you're like, look, the shoe's going to drop and whoever comes back is going to be healthy. Probably someone who needs some usage. I guess we don't know for sure. So that's another argument to just say, take the shot and see how far it carries you. I'd also note that because this was a roto with a, a roto draft with a games cap, any positive impact games you can get from a guy late in a draft are good. That's all That's all gravy. It's not like head-to-head -head you need someone who's going to be great start to finish or maybe even better at the end than at the beginning. Better even here in Roto and maybe get a guy who's better at the beginning. You can dump them if they start to stink partway through the season. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's generally what I wanted to cover with you. Any sort of other thoughts on... Uh, I know I, we talked about that second round a lot. The other spot that I think things get a little bit goofy is probably right around where you ended up with Dinwiddie and Johnson. That feels like the spot where where folks need to just go get their guy. Is that has have you found that's like yep. probably eighth round this year? Yeah, I I don't think as a, as a for instance, I loved the pick of uh, Larry Nance Jr. at at ninety one there. Um, if he was still available, I definitely would have taken him with one of those two picks. I think that's a great pick. The, the Trailblazers bench is atrocious. Um, <laughs> he could he could play center, power forward, and small forward, uh, and he could you know approach thirty minutes tonight. And we know that 
Nurkic isn't exactly a pillar of health. He's either. not. Um, or Cody Zeller. <laughs> back I mean, those are not exactly Iron Men. So I think like Nance is a guy. I also like uh, Reggie Jackson was taken 92nd. I think that's a great thing. I, I will say this. If you if you look at an, an analyst league mock draft like we're doing, and then you look at ADPs on a lot of sites, like if you compare some of these guys to their Yahoo ADPs, it's night day difference where they were taken. Yeah, is that as, real? As friend, By the way, is that real? I don't. I only. Like, I pretty much only play in leagues with uh, analysts or people that listen to the podcast. So it's like my competition is freaking <laughs> too hard. Uh, I I signed myself up by the way this year for my first ever yahoo pro league just a just a regular old roto nine cat it's like a 50 dollar buy and nothing crazy um mostly and I, obviously i'm gonna play it out and and grind my way through it like any other league but i really just want to see what a regular person draft looks like i haven't seen one in years do these guys really go where their adps say they're gonna go or do they all go earlier like i see every time yeah i only do one of i, I like I'm like you. I do mostly analyst leagues and, and stuff like that. But uh, I do one league with a buddy of mine um, where it's just, you know, non-analysts. And you do see some kind of crazy things. Um, and I, I try to I try to realize when we do these podcasts and stuff that we're talking to a group of people, you know, with each other that only do these leagues. <laughs> yeah, we um, just stare the at this stuff all day. To the show are not in analyst leagues. Um, so there, there might be things, you know, I highly recommend that if, if you're going to do a draft um, and you're looking at some of our mocks, maybe do a mock draft or two of your own yeah. before your draft, just to kind of see where things play out, you know, go in and do, you know, you can pick these up on most any of these sites, just jump into a mock draft with a bunch of people and, and you see how things play out. Uh, and those ADP numbers might be real. Cause like, I mean, you look at some of these things like Reggie Jackson's ADP is in the one thirties on Yahoo. It's like, how is that possible? Right. I mean, did people see what he did when Kawhi's out and, he was taken 92nd in this league, and I don't think that's too early. Um, I, maybe the actual spot for him is somewhere in the middle. Maybe he gets picked in the 115 to 120 range. And, and if you can get him there, that's a steal. So I, I think those are things to keep in mind when you look at a lot of these analysts' industry mock drafts. Is we're take, it's, it's almost like fantasy football where in a fantasy football league with all analysts, everybody waits on quarterback because we know that there's so many of them that put up great numbers. But then when you're in a league with all your buddies from home, you know, you got your buddy Joe, who's a big, you know, Chiefs fan, and he's going to take Patrick Mahomes in the first round. It's like, whoa, that's way too early to take him. You got to get somebody else in the positions that are harder to fill. It's it's something that's kind of similar to that. So what I've been seeing, and this is probably the last thought before I let you go, is like Robert Williams, his ADP is still 62 on Yahoo, and I haven't watched a mock where he's gotten past 45 lately. Uh, Yusuf yeah. Nurkic, ADP of 64. I, he went at 39. Am I getting that right in this one? Somewhere in there, 38, 39, somewhere around that range. So, like, sometimes I forget what's real. And I, to your point, just to to kind of put a bow on it, yeah, I think it's really important to look at an expert mock because then you kind of know like what the sites are talking about and you can get a feel for the people in your own league that are reading those sites because they're probably going to make a move on these guys sooner than maybe some of the other teams in your league. But like you said, you also kind of want to watch uh, a Joe mock, an average Joe mock, which you can do just hop into like a random Yahoo mock and set your auto draft if you like like just don't take any of the guys you're targeting to see where they go if you don't take them there's a lot of info to be gleaned from that and then you kind of have to tailor it to your own league how how competitive is your league is you know is it going to look more like an expert mock or is it going to look more like uh, a a regular old mock and and that's how you kind of have to figure out because the name of the game again talking to uh, mike barner here the name of the game is trying to figure out the order that everybody's going to go. If you can if you can plan out the board, you can draft with your eyes closed. And I don't know. I just think it's so much fun to try to figure this out every year. What's the board going to look like? Where is everybody going to go? How are all of my leagues going to shake out? And we can never get it perfectly right. But damn it, the closer we get, the better we look. Yeah, it's a great point. You, you said it perfectly. Mike Barner. Roto Mike Barner on Twitter. 
I beg of you all, go give him a follow. It's very easy to find and spell his name, which is not something I can say for myself. <laughs> At Roto Mike Barner. Thanks, my man. Thanks for coming on the pod. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, and good luck, everybody, on their fantasy seasons. Yeah, hey, last question. How warm was the yeah. hot seat? Was it room temp? It was It was lukewarm. Yeah. I'm okay here. I, you know, I've got jeans on. I didn't have to, you know, put some shorts on because I was really hot. It was fine. It was lukewarm. I'm okay. I appreciate you wearing pants to an audio-only podcast. That's, um, it's not required. So thank you. That's much appreciated. Well, I didn't, I didn't want anybody, you know, I didn't want my kids, dad, why don't you have your pants on? You know, I didn't want anything <laughs> like that to happen. <laughs> and that, and people, people with kids know that's almost definitely going to happen. If, if you then take they'll take theirs off too. What are the, oh, we don't have to wear pants. You know, you gotta be careful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but come on, let's be honest. They're going to do it anyway. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. He's Roto Mike, Roto Mike Bonner on Twitter again. Mike, thanks so much, my man. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, Dan. Appreciate it. That's the scheduling snafus I'm working with right now. Big thank you once again to uh, Mike Barner, who recorded this segment last weekend, and I just have had so many damn guest spots backlogged. I was recording two, three of them a day that I'm, I'm having trouble keeping up, and I don't want to drop two of them on the same show. It feels kind of weird. You end up sort of sh- overshadowing one guy with another guy, and the, and the ideas get mushmashed together. But anyway, uh, really nice to talk to Mr. Barner. Uh, he's kind enough to, again, wait that out, at Roto Mike Barner on Twitter, and the guy who got Nikola Jokic in our mock draft. So, you know, rough times there, I suppose. And, of course, we had that discussion before the Jalen Brown COVID news broke, broke, which I guess we should mention here briefly on the podcast. Jalen Brown testing positive for COVID, asymptomatic, and quarantining. I believe he is vaccinated because we haven't heard anything otherwise, which means as soon as he gets two negative tests, he can just come back and do everything he was doing. By all accounts, the asymptomatic vaccinated positives don't usually last that long. I was thinking that probably about a week From the time he tested positive, he will probably be back with the team before opening night. But, of course, everything is a little bit of a kind of a confidence interval there. But I'd be very surprised if Jalen Brown missed opening night for the Celtics. Very surprised. And I don't know if this could potentially spread. Uh, We'll wait and find out about that. I think we'd find out very soon because one thing we learned about Delta is that it spreads quicker. The incubation period for the virus is more like two to three days instead of four or five the original strain, so if we don't hear about anybody else on Boston testing positive, then bullet dodged, and uh, they should be fine rolling into the season. Coming up tomorrow on our Sunday special, we will be talking to the great Alex Ricklin. I-, I love that dude. He's one of my favorites. He is always down to have a laugh and generally down to talk about old dudes but Rickling went all team fun on me. So we'll talk about that on tomorrow's podcast. That'll be this Sunday special. We'll break down some more players. Again, folks, Brewski 150 out today. We are recruiting. That continues. But uh, I've already hammered you guys enough with that one. Please do follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Go get something in hoop ball. Enjoy your Saturday. We're back at you tomorrow. Again, 31 shows, 31 days here in the month of October on Fantasy NBA Today. So long. This has been a hoop ball presentation.